Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty for Her. It is um, such a fun treat for me when I get to interview somebody that I've known for a while and uh, somebody that I've been able to see their sort of rise to success. And Marin is no exception. In fact, you are you're really in for some wisdom and some really interesting, a really interesting pivoting story. So Marin Costello, welcome to the show. It's so good to be with you and it's fun to see you. I know. Likewise. Thank you for having me. All the way from Florida. Marin has left Los Angeles. She's in Florida now. So that's very, very exciting. Well, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about your company and the two areas of focus? Sure. So I have two companies. My firstborn child is a jewelry business, and it started when I was very young. I got a bead kit when I was under 10 years old, and it just organically grew into what is now an international an internationally recognized jewelry company. We have uh, our pieces in over 100 doors across the states, and we have a few large e-commerce retail partners, and we obviously do direct-to-consumer and custom as well. And this last year, a project that I had been working on for about three years launched. So my second born is a consulting company, a business and branding consulting company. And so I began as a jewelry designer, but have now branched out into becoming a brand architect as well. I love that term so much. I think that's a great term. Um, What was your experience um, from a business point of view before you launched? So you've been from 10 years, from under 10 years old, been making jewelry. This bead kit launched this career. What was your experience on the business side? Was that something that was organic or tell me where you came from professionally speaking? Very much organic. So the reason why I started selling my jewelry is that at about the age of 10, I had a surplus of pieces that I had made. And I come from a long line of entrepreneurs on both sides of the family. So my parents were very adamant about me selling my pieces because they're like, why does one little child need all this jewelry? (laughs) And so I sold my pieces for anywhere between 25 cents and a dollar at the local craft fair one summer when I was 10 years old. And I did that every year for almost 20 years. I want to say actually 20 years. And then the pandemic hit and that kind of put that to a stop. But that grew. I mean, someone would see me. I grew up in a very small town, very supportive, very large family. I really hit the jackpot coming into this world. So growing up in that environment and starting so young, it just kind of became this natural thing that people would ask me about. Oh, hey, Marin, how's it going? How's the jewelry from when I was little? So Jewelry and myself are synonymous, and they have been for as long as I can remember. Um, I think my first memories are of making jewelry. Did you study any jewelry making as you got older? You went to UCLA, right? Did I I get that right? Yeah. I took a a wire wrapping course that lasted about two hours, (laughs) 
And that is my formal education on making jewelry. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was 12. All, I want all of you, because what you're imagining from her talking about bead ki- uh, making uh, or this bead kit is nothing like what you're going to see when you hit marincostello.com. It's completely different. Um, and essentially, it's ready to wear jewelry. Like anybody can access this at all times. Can we buy direct as well as in stores across the country and internationally, actually. Absolutely, yes. We do a very large e-commerce business, and we actually launch a lot of product first online. Um, So, And we have a lot of online exclusives as well, and we run our major sample sales twice a year. So we we love our direct-to-consumer customers. So yes, you can. That's awesome. When are your sample sales? Twice a year. Okay. Um, Black Friday is like our blowout sample sale. And then we have one in the summer that's like our our summer sample sale. Okay. Is there... It, I was going to say, is there a way to subscribe so we can get that information? Yes. If okay. you go to shopmarincostello.com, we'll two R's, two L's, there is an email blast and you can, an email newsletter uh, where, that you can sign up for and you are the okay. first to know on email. Yes. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Talk about the entrepreneurship piece of it. So you're selling these, you grow up with entrepreneurs, you're selling the jewelry from a young age. Is this like, this is my lane, this is where I want to stay, or is there a desire to venture off from it? What's what's the appetite for being an entrepreneur now that you're an adult and really taking this jewelry business seriously? You're living on it. So now looking back, I understand the journey and I understand how it could become a, a, a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up in Northern California, pre-internet, you know, pre-social media, there wasn't that much knowledge on the fashion industry. When you look at a product or when you go into a mall, I never thought as a child, oh, there's a machine behind all these brands. And sure. you know, the idea of production and and PR and press and what it actually takes to get a product to market. You know, if someone were to ask me where do where do groceries come from, I would say the grocery store, not the farm. Yeah. If someone says, yeah. where do clothes come from? I would say the mall, not, you know, the right. headquarters, wherever, you know, wherever they're located. So I never realized that it could be a career until very later in very much later in life. And I want to say, honestly, in college, it really yeah. didn't hit me that it could be something that I could make that amount from that could provide myself a living and also other people with jobs. I didn't that didn't really click. And also I don't think it was supposed to because it was my hobby and my passion. And when you every you know, oftentimes people will say, "Oh, find something that you're passionate about, and then turn that into a job." And I say, do that with caution, because when you do that with when you turn a hobby or a passion into a career, it does strip a little bit of the joy from yeah. it, just yeah. because there is that extra layer of responsibility that's added to that. So, am I so grateful that it is my now career, my first career, my firstborn child? I'm so impossibly grateful. However, I did have to seek out different sources of joy because. When you are subject to pulling P&Ls, when you're subject to, you know, I mean, when you're subject to uh, accounting deadlines, when you're subject to payroll, it loses a little bit of joy. Sure, sure. There's, we've interviewed several people on the podcast who have said things like, make sure you have a side hustle so that you can keep the integrity on the creative side going so that you this can continue to be a passion. And then when it sort of organically is large enough that you can hire people to do some of the the yucky stuff, I think is the professional uh, term for those things, yes. then, then you can continue to stay in that lane. Or you even find ways to 
we had an artist one time who said, I started having to print my work and make that my repeatable sales so that I could keep the customized work so special and so unique. And it could be, those could be my passion projects. And once she did that, she was able to sort of get back to her love of art. But for a while, she was like, I was just manufacturing art. I wasn't an artist anymore. Totally. It takes a minute to get to that place. Okay. So I want to go back to what you said about your firstborn and your secondborn. So what makes one say, when you're hitting your sort of your your success your like level of success the level of su- success that you've reached what makes you say you know what i think i'll add not only another revenue stream that i understand but something that is altogether different it's related in that people are going to see the success that you've created through your jewelry company and say how did she do that i want to learn from her and so that piece of it i understand but what what was the jewelry business not giving you or not satisfying? What itch did you have that the coaching and consulting piece of it is giving you? So it's twofold. One, the market told me that I needed to do it because I was getting so many inbound inquiries regarding my company and what people thought of their companies and how I could help them. And as much as I would love to give of myself, and I try to do that with yeah all relationships in, in my world. I really do try my due diligence to, to love on the people in my in my world. There's just not enough time in the day for me to help everyone in that capacity that needs my help unless it's fueling my business because ultimately there are people that rely on me for their livelihoods. So all of the inbound inquiries and people saying, hey, can I you know pay you for an hour of your time or can I you know get your opinion on this, that, and the other led to me ultimately creating this company. Now, this is three years in the making. This is three years of me doing a lot of pro bono work, a lot of beta clients, a lot of paid clients, a lot of figuring out what exactly makes me different in the market or in the space of consulting. It's been happening for three years, but it's now launched to public. There's now a proper site that people can go to and say, oh, this is what she does. She also, she does jewelry and this. As far as what the jewelry portion wasn't giving to me, I don't have a brick and mortar store. So as far as the one-on-one connection mm. and helping people feel incredible, whatever the, whatever the avenue is, I mean, jewelry is a vessel, consulting is a vessel, a phone call with a girlfriend is a vessel. It's the f- making people feel good and helping them that really fuels me and is the reason that I know that I'm here on this world. That is the piece that really lit me up when I started to lean into the consulting, uh, when it was just an idea, before it was a proper yeah. consulting company. So that part has really given me a lot of life, and it, but it's not something that I realized until I was in it already. And when you were doing it, did you sort of start to better define the type of customer you wanted to take or the type of customer you didn't want to take? I know as somebody who's, I'm in the reverse, as you know, we've already had this conversation, but I'm I'm retiring my consulting career. But I know as I was doing it, it continued to morph in, in terms of who I thought I could really give value to, who I enjoyed working with, the types of companies that I believed were sort of in my sweet spot. What has that been for you? Have you have you made some? I mean, because it's three years in the making. Yes, it's newly launched, but you've been doing that work. What have you sort of defined? Yes. Well, I think I realized that 
it's twofold. The, I mean, my, my zone of genius is twofold. Granted, I can help a variety of different type of customer, but if we're talking about creating a quote custom or a, a company avatar, uh, mine is twofold. It's one, people who have, a, who have a significant void in their business, either branding or financial, because in my consulting business, we bridge the two, which is where the magic happens. It's definitely a holistic process, a multifaceted process. And the second would be, you know, a, a person who is in a phase of business that I have once been in, mm-hmm. someone that I can really, really affect and affect quickly to say, hey, I, you know, it took me four years to do this. It took me 10 years yeah. to do this. It yeah. took me X amount of dollars to do this. Then I, I can do it for you in an hour. Yeah. You know, I can guide you through it in an hour or, you know, through one of my, through one of my programs. So I think those, it, it's a combination of the two is the meat of the customer base. But again, I have clients across the board. Having known you and kind of seen behind the curtain, I know that one of your strengths, uh, it'll be obvious to people when they visit your three different Instagrams and go to your website, that branding is a big one of them. But another one that you don't necessarily see on the surface is you're incredibly organized and systems are a big part of how you run your business, whether it's you and I having conversations about, you know, creating content, visual content, about how that content is sort of leading the customer, whichever jewelry customer or consulting customer, to a very specific end. Like you've really thought through all of those things. Um, you're you're hardly somebody that's posting on the fly. It's all it's been very well thought through. And that takes a long time to learn. And so if somebody can in an hour or six weeks learn from you what has taken you years to sort of distill. It's absolutely worth it. And I also think that people find the people they want to grow up to be like, you know? And so when they like look at Marin Costello, they're like, that's the company that I want to look like. I want to have, whether it's the exact aesthetic or the cadence of your posting, your emailing, the people that you've included, there's, there's a world that you've created that's separate and apart from you, but informed very much by, by who you are. And so you attract that kind of customer base, wouldn't you say? Totally. I attract that customer base, but I also attract that staff and I attract the internal community also of people who see it and understand what goes into it or are very curious by it. Because I would love to say that it's just me, but my team has so much to do with, with what you guys now see. Four years ago, three years ago, that would have been all me and I would have been posting on the fly. You know, me now having systems and having apps and platforms and spreadsheets and all these things that are now, you know, running a proper company, these are born of years of not being organized or wanting to be organized, but doing it all myself and not having the time. And it was a mess once upon a time. Yeah. Every business is though, right? Every There's nobody that you're looking at and saying, it's a new customer saying, this is a disaster that's not fixable. It is a mess. That's how totally. it starts. Yeah. Yes. And that's why they come to you to, to yes. help cl- clean it up a little bit. If you had to say, these are the differences or these are the different pieces of Marin that get exercised and celebrated in these two companies or these two facets of your company, what are you celebrating and exercising on the jewelry side? And what are you celebrating and exercising on the consulting side? Well, when it comes to design, that little Marin is living her best life. I mean, this is right. what I did in my childhood that brought me the most joy. I tried sports, 
you know, I mean, bless my parents. I wish I was athletic for my father's sake. It just didn't work out. <laughs> um, and I danced for, you know, almost 18 years and was decent, but not good enough to, you know, compete per se. But it was a huge joy of mine. This has jewelry, making jewelry and designing jewelry has been the constant in my life hmm. since I was seven. So when it comes to my jewelry business, little Marin is so happy. So happy. Yeah. Ultimately, with both companies, like I said, I do help people a lot. I help, you know, people affect their businesses positively with the consulting and that, you know, it, to see that happen in real time and happen, happen quickly is so powerful on on the consulting end. But yeah. then on the jewelry end, too, it's it brings people together. You know, their conversation pieces, either people will wear them and they'll spark conversation or they'll give, they'll give them as gifts. And like you said, I'm very active on social media. My team is very active on social media. So we have a really beautiful community and we um, we don't take that for granted. So especially bridging community in times like these, that's really what makes me so, so proud of the jewelry business. I didn't understand or I didn't think that a, a, a product like jewelry could do that during times that are very difficult for a lot of people. Um, but even on Zoom calls like this, you know, people want to feel fabulous and wear jewelry and and um, it's really done wonders for for a lot of people's emotions and their psyche. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. What would you say with regard to the jewelry side of the business when you talk about this team? Because oftentimes our listeners are hearing the podcast and they're like, a team, how can I ever afford a team? Can you walk us through... Four years ago when it was Marin doing all things all the time and posting on the fly to present day on the jewelry side, who were the people that you had in place that were part of your team? Like describe the team to us because I think it gives people a sense of like, okay, part of what it takes to get to where Marin is, is to manage this group of people. Some of them I'm sure were internal and some of them were contracted, but give us a sense of that team. Sure. So again, everything with my business has been organic. So I didn't seek out to make a living and then make X amount and then hire someone. I didn't go the business um, the business plan route, shall we say. It just kept growing and growing and growing. And after hitting burnout multiple times, I thought, yeah, yeah maybe there's like, maybe there's some truth to reworking the systems that I have going on because whatever's happening right now is not scalable. I mean, this was at a time when I was still producing every single piece and I, the volume was decent and I was still creating every single piece and doing the shipping and the posting and mm. the everything and all the events I would do myself. I did not take care of myself. I did not sleep. I drank coffee like crazy. Um, I drank coffee throughout the day and then to relax myself at night, I had a ton of cocktails and then I would do it all in the morning. <laughs> you know, it was like coffee, cocktail, coffee, cocktail. It was not a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. It's certainly not my lifestyle right you know, currently. Um, I'd like to say that the first person that came on was a contractor to help me create jewelry mm -hmm. to kind of get my my production more streamlined and, and outsource that fully. That was the first person, although I was still making a lot of stuff too, because that person was, you know, part-time or they would do it on their off hours from their other job and I had, you know, two or three at the time too that I would be referred that were referrals that came on to the to the quote team. Um, I want to say that was that started like four years ago. I believe in God source, the universe's timing. So when I knew that I needed an assistant or I knew I needed extra help, I would say a prayer, 
tell a bunch of people and then kind of wait patiently for the right person to come about. Yeah. Knowing that, especially as a woman running a business, I'm very, my first and foremost priority is safety. So I would never want to bring someone onto my team that wasn't, while it's small and growing, that wasn't a referral or someone that could really be vetted mm. by my community just because things are weird out there, you know, especially yeah. in the pandemic. <laughs> um, so yeah. uh, so I really was mindful about who I hired and made sure in the beginning that they were referrals and they were, they were referred by quality people. My first hire, proper hire, was a year and a half ago. And it again, I was at my, my workout studio, my bar studio down the street from my old apartment in L.A., and I was walking by the bar studio and it had since closed because the morning classes were finished. And I saw the manager in the in the window and I just waved at her and and I said, hey, I'm, I'm in the market for an assistant if you know anyone, you know, just kind of someone who can wear all the different hats. And she said, okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And then there, a woman who was working at the front desk came around the corner because they were doing a training or something. And I said, oh, hey, if you know anyone who might be interested in, you know, being an assistant of some sort. Yeah for my company, let me know. And she said, well, I might be interested. So I made sure to, because I have no interest in poaching. So I made sure to, you know, you know, cross-reference that and check with the bar studio team to make sure that it would be okay if I hired her. And they were like, great, because we can only have her part-time. And I said, great, well, I can only start with her part-time because in order for me to keep her, she has to, her position has to make money. And I don't know if she can do that right now. I have to see how talented she is and what she can bring to the table. So she started out as part-time at the height of busy season. And I said, hey, I'd love to train you. I'd love to go through the manual with you. We are at the height of our busiest season. I can't. I have to throw you into the gauntlet and you need to sink or swim, Um, hopefully swim. (laughs) And so she came in and just passed with flying colors and I gave her a raise the following month. And then I want to say six months after that, I gave her another raise. And then I want to say six months after that, I gave her another raise. So and I had this conversation with her to be to, from the b- very beginning because I knew I knew what it felt like to be in a fashion environment that was passive, mm. where communication wasn't uh, where communication didn't exist, and rather than absorbing, rather than absorbing that experience and going, oh, this is the way it's done. I I told myself I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to make someone feel the way that I felt in my early career. So I had a very candid conversation with her at the very first day. And I said, hey, this is what I can pay you. Um, I know that you're worth a million dollars. This is what I can pay you. I would love for you to show your show your talent and see and put on your entrepreneurial hat and help re- uh, generate revenue. And as that happens, then I can pay you more because I would love to give you the moon and the stars. And you came to me through an amazing referral. And, you know, she gave me her portfolio. Her work was beautiful. And I said, but this is just what the company can do right now. Um, and I was very candid. I said, FYI, I don't take a salary. Like, this is not me yeah. being selfish. I I am fully focused on this business. This is my firstborn. I'm party of one. You know, no kids. This is this is my number one. And she did. And she's still with me. She's my, my right hand. And she's incredible. What was um, her she, portfolio that she showed you? She had a lot of graphic design work. Oh, okay. And that's not what I wanted her for. I wanted her no, for... Um, got it. I wanted her... So initially... All that to say for the, our listeners, um, I don't necessarily hire for a position. I hire talent mm-hmm. and I try and figure out, I reverse engineer who comes onto my team and I try and figure out what makes them thrive. And if they're truly talented and I trust them yeah. um, as a human and they're a hard worker, I figure out how I can m- mold their position in the company to make them 
their happiest selves. So once I realized that she was really, it was actually during the pandemic, she would help me before the pandemic, she would come to the office, we would do wholesale shipments and she would organize the office and do a lot of, you know, back end admin work. And she started to do some design work, but I didn't let her take over the Instagram for many, many months when she first started. Um, I still wanted to see, you know, her talent and have that be something that, that, that was earned. And that was obviously when I was posting things on the fly. I didn't even have time to learn how to use a platform to help schedule, yep. you know, to schedule out yeah. social media posts. Like that's how slammed we were. She eventually became my head of marketing and creative when the pandemic hit because when that moment happened we closed our downtown office I moved it to my you know former apartment in Los Angeles because we were told that if we go outside we're gonna die I'm like oh my yeah. gosh like like I you will not get sick on my account like this is not open yeah. heart surgery this is jewelry like you can stay home I'll figure out a position for you you're too talented and I, like you know maternal instinct kicked in and I was like I'm I'm not going anywhere you're not going anywhere you'll be provided for let's re configure your job description. And we did. And we made her head of creative and marketing. And so now she handles, you know, wow. everything visual in the brand. And so she created, we created, or I created a, uh, a remote job for her. And then I was back in fulfillment and production and doing all the things again, working around the clock. But I knew that there was an end. To, I knew that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, this is not sustainable, but I need to save the ship. And so I'm going to pass my joy of being head of, you know, creative and marketing and pass that on to someone else to make sure that she can pay her bills and, you know, has a safe roof over her head. And I'm going to go back and do the dirty work. And I was proud to do it. I was like, if this is if this what it, yeah. is what it takes to keep the ship afloat, sign me up because I will be damned if this takes me down of all the things yeah you know, of all the things that could happen. Like, it's not going to be this. We're going to figure it out. And we did. We had one of our best years last year, actually. Um, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. But it's it's not, it wasn't luck. Yeah. We, we created that for sure. And then uh, recently I was referred by one of my vendors in Los Angeles. He said, Maren, I'm not sure if you're hiring, but I have this wonderful woman. She's leaving another company because they're closing her department on account of COVID and they're absorbing her position into other jobs pre-existing at the company. I'd love to introduce you to, I don't know if it's going to be a match, but you're both lovely people. So if anything, there, there might be a friendship or like even just a lovely coffee out of it. And I said, right. sure. I interviewed her and I was like, full transparency. You're wonderful. Love your resume. Love your referral. I'm leaving. I'm moving in a month. So if you'd like to go down a really, really, really intense three-week boot camp with me yeah. to learn the product and then have a remote job, great. And if that doesn't work, then great. You know, we have this one-month trial and we'll figure it out. She's now our head of operations. She's extremely talented. Yeah, I just, I, so my internal team is two people. Also during COVID, I let go of all my contractors. I reconfigured how to do production so that we didn't have as many touch points because of how mm -hmm. difficult things are during the season of life. So my internal team is two people. We're, you know, small but mighty team of three. two really strong people though, it sounds yes. like. And yes. what's interesting is, you know, in deciding to even though it was maybe uh COVID the COVID that made that decision for you, but deciding to have the woman who's now the head of marketing and creative take that over. It may have taken you a long time to let go of that had you not had to, had you not been forced to. And 
it's probably also allowed you to have this other thing that you were informally doing come to life, which is the consulting piece of it, because now you've got some strong people in place who are focused on the jewelry side of the business. Not that the marketing person isn't helping with the consulting side too. And your site, by the way, the consulting portion of it that comes out is, is beautiful. Thank I already you. knew about the jewelry side, but it's it's beautiful. It's very inspiring. Um, I was like, wait, this is really good. Okay, I have to start recommending my my past clients over here. When you sort of decided that this was going to be a marriage and that you were going to move in addition, we're talking about, even though it was some time in the making, that's a lot of pivoting in one year. How much did the move have to do with COVID? How much of leaving LA had to do with that? had a lot to do with it. It was a mixture of the restructuring of the LAPD that ultimately left me feeling unsafe in Los Angeles mm. and not having, I mean, I'm party of one, no dog, no significant other, and um, running a luxury product business from my home. So I'm very much a target. And then, mm. you know, with the restructuring of the LAPD, I just thought, I don't, I, I go with my gut on 10 out of 10 things and I did not feel safe. So I thought I need to lean into this and figure out what that looks like. Um, and that turned out to be moving across the country. But before then, I honestly, I knew that, and I know, genuinely know that, you know, we will come out of this, that this mm -hmm. is just a season of life. And I thought that after leaving my apartment or leaving my office in downtown and moving to a new apartment to run my business from home, I thought that was going to be my home for a very long time. I mean, I decorated it and loved on that apartment as if I was never leaving. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a couple months later... <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> so, but it it sounds like from talking to you, it feels like that needed to happen. I mean, there's some family on the other side, and so there's a support group there. Your business is in a place where it's scaffolded, and you could leave, and so there was the opportunity. And LA's not going anywhere. Uh, and no. If you ever want to come back, we'd love to have you back. So was it? It was an easy decision to make. It was. It what was very saying. easy, and and I know from being on the crazy ride of entrepreneurship, I understand when a door opens and when a door closes, and when they happen, everything is happening for you, not to you. Every door was flying open, not even mm. like a crack, not even a slow open to move across the country. They were flying open. They could not open fast enough, and so I just I surrendered, and I said, okay, like here we go on this little adventure, and if it works, then great, and if it doesn't, then great. It's interesting to me that when I talk to entrepreneurs and those have, who have had success. And success means a lot of things to a lot of people, but I'm talking about sort of living their best life and having financial success in the business. That the ones that kind of hold everything more loosely with an open hand and open palm tend to do a little bit better than those who are gripping to hold on to, to the company. And in an effort to protect it, actually, I think sometimes they they stifle it from the growth it needs to have. They suffocate it even. Would you such agree? Such is life. Such is life. Yes, such is and life. I, and that is true. Such is life. And I know this, you know, from relationship to business to anything in life. If you if you hold on too tightly, you'll probably suffocate it and it's probably not meant for you. Yeah. It's absolutely true. What do you think, I mean, that you've learned in running your business being open to adding another revenue stream. What have you learned um, through this journey of being an entrepreneur that you'd like to pass along to our listeners about yourself? Oftentimes, entrepreneurs struggle with analysis paralysis. Mm. 
which I have learned means that you have too much time on your hands and you need to get busy. So does it make no sense, but also the most sense that this last year was the busiest and most intentional and most transformative year of my life? Yes. And did I also pile on to that launching a new company and moving across the country within the same month and a radio show within the same month? Yes. But that is also the exciting craziness of entrepreneurship. And I'm not talking about moving and speed for the sake of staying busy. This is very much intentional movement and being in flow. And whilst also taking care of myself, you know, sleeping, drinking water, eating the right foods, I I did not want my health to decline at the expense of my business. And I've done that before many, many times. But yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride, but it doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me that it's that it all happened as quickly as it did. Yeah, I love the if you're spending that much time analyzing things and being frozen by those things, then you're not that you're not busy enough. I think there's a lot of us. It's it's like when you're first considering your startup, just start. Like the yes. stuff, it'll all figure itself out. You actually don't have enough information to get it right out of the gate. Like you have to start and you have to fumble. And you have to figure it out as you go. That's part of it. It also, it's part of what I think builds the resiliency muscle because there will be something else. Even if you get it spot on right out of the gate, there's something around the corner that's going to challenge you. So it's a good thing to, to exercise. I like to try and stay on the middle ground as often as possible. So when the high highs come and the big successes come, I receive them wholeheartedly, but I don't go all the way to the top of the mountain because it's a long way down. And mm. same thing with the lulls, same thing with the challenges. I try not to get too deep in them because I know that there is an upswing. Um, so I try to stay as even keeled as possible throughout you know, the day, whenever yeah. I'm dealing with stuff. How do you hold, um, that's interesting. I wanted to end on the the what you learned about being an entrepreneur, but I have to ask, how do you hold on to or or fully appreciate and absorb the success or the successful moments and not temper them with this middle? Like you, that's life. Like we want to celebrate those things. How do you hold that? How do you hold space for that? So I like to pull just in life. I like to pull from both sides, from understanding mm-hmm. that I am everything and the coolest person ever. And also I'm no one, right? Yeah. So when I receive a big success, I receive it fully because, hello, I work my butt off, you know, and my team works their butts off. Like, you would hope that we would have big wins, but also I don't take them so seriously that makes it so you're only as good as your last at bat. Mm. So I I get excited because rather than focusing on it too much, focusing on the wins too much, I get excited for the next win to kind of keep momentum. I love that. That's so good. I haven't heard anything like that. Thanks. It's it's a new one for (laughs) for our Liberty listeners. As so many have pivoted during this pandemic, we too have shifted to meet the needs of our growing community of female founders. We want to use this podcast conversation as a starting point for deeper dialogue and to connect you to the resources, tools, and tips shared within these interviews. Please join us on the Liberty Network to connect, collaborate, and keep talking. And a few other perks in the Liberty Network. Join our monthly virtual Mentor Monday meetups. 
create and share your profile with the whole community, and access a brain trust of entrepreneurial women, all for free. To join the conversation, head to libertyforher.com. That's L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-F-O-R-H-E-R.com. And click on the bar at the top of the homepage that says, Join the Liberty Network. Okay, so I want to pivot a little bit and pick your brain. We know your story. We have a little context here. But I want to talk to you a little bit about almost as though the listener is seeking your consulting advice. Sure. So when you looked at the circumstances around 2020 and you knew that you wanted to make different decisions for your life, and in your case, you said doors were, you know, swung wide open. It was very clear. What would you say to somebody who's like, I'm not sure if that's a door. I'm not sure if that's a window. I'm not sure if it's being open or closed. What What would you say to them in terms of sort of ask yourself this? Three things. Write it down. Pen to paper is so powerful. So if you're really considering something or, you know, jumping off a cliff and starting a new company, or if you have a company and you're thinking about pivoting, put pen to paper first mm. and you know, the word journal to me sometimes has a lot of pressure on it, but just shorthand, write words down, anything that comes to mind and do that, make that a practice of yours um, to see what comes out. Because sometimes I'll think I have this great idea or I'll have something super clear in my mind and I'll take pen to paper and then it will completely shift. That's the first thing I would do. And what happens in that process? Are we able to then read it back to ourselves and say, that's that's not what I meant or that's not what I wanted or do we, you know, is it something that we can let it sit for a week and revisit it? What's the totally. practice allow? It, it breeds clarity. So whether you read it back and you're like, this doesn't resonate with me anymore or you read it and you go, yes, this, sound, this feels so good, but we're not there yet or we're missing mm. this aspect. If you put pen to paper and you physically see the words and you, you know, kind of map out your conceptual business plan, not a formal business plan, but, you know, make yeah. and make pretend land. What does this look like for you? It's yeah. very powerful. And I would just add, make sure you're actually, it, it is actually pen to paper. There's something very restrictive about when people sit down and start typing things. It doesn't have the same flow or the same freedom to make mistakes, to scratch things out, to circle things and draw arrows. And there's something about literally having a, a blank sheet before you. I like that. That's a good one. And then there are other people who are listening to this and saying, yeah, okay, maybe it wasn't pandemic driven, but there's something else I need to do in my business. And Marin's pivot isn't that she abandoned one and did a 180 and started a whole new business. It's that she added another business to her existing business. What would you say to a person like when they're considering their possibilities for that second business? What should they check in with? In your case, you already had it coming. You said people, you know, the market told you. People were asking for advice. People were seeking your wisdom. What would you say to someone like, okay, what else is happening in your life? Or what are you passionate about? I'm, I'm not going to fill in any blanks. You answer the question. Sure. I would have them write down what is most important to them? Is spending time with family most important? Is health and wellness most important? Like I would write down what is most important for your life, generally speaking. Mm. And then I would write down how your current business or your current job is is flowing. And then your make pretend 
business, what you would want for that. And I would see how they map to the life that you want to live. Because I have new opportunities that come my way all the time, but if they don't align with my North Star, with what I think I want to do in the future or the lifestyle that I want to live, it's a no. So ultimately, one needs to get clarity around the life that they want to live. And obviously, this is all all a case-by-case scenario. So if anyone wanted to contact me directly, I would be able to help them with specific email, I mean, specific instances and ideas for their life. But it's much deeper than just a company um, because... As you know, more than anyone, building a a company and being an entrepreneur is more than just the job. Yes, absolutely. And those things that be are sort of the reasons why you did what you did when you started, they morph. I mean, as you grow and live life, your circumstances change. What becomes a value to you changes. What you want out of life changes. And so it's important, I think, to constantly be making those adjustments and being sort of nimble in what brings you joy. I think a lot of people are like, well, that's what I started. I have to stick with it. And a lot of the burnout is just resistance. They keep insisting that that's the business they grew and that's where they have to stay. Sometimes it's, there's nothing wrong with the business. You're just playing the wrong wrong role in it. Like you just need a different job title within your business. Sometimes it's, um, it is in fact time to go, or in your case, it's time to add something to the business that opens those doors and gives you joy in those other areas where you have talent and skill and there's an interest and there's a need. You've been super intentional. We talked about this a little bit earlier in your social media presence. And I would say, if you had come to me back when I was consulting and you had said, okay, Netta, I have this idea that I want to add a consulting business to my jewelry business, I I would be like, okay, Marin, people need to focus. You know, they think in like one second increments, like they're going to be confused. And you've done a great job on social of being very clear. I mean, it's a very clear story that you do these two things. You've also utilized each one of your social media handles to focus on a different area of your business. Was that intentional? I already know the answer, but was that intentional? Yes. Yeah. But that, again, has been many years in the making. I had many jewelry accounts, you know, years ago that were separate of my personal account. And I thought, no, it's it's all one and the same. I am my jewelry. The jewelry is me. You know, we don't need to separate them. I mean, I've I've created a, a jewelry brand account probably six times and built a following six times and then deleted it. Is that the most strategic now? No. So I would advise someone not to do that. I would say, you know, at least keep the handle and keep that following instead of completely abandon it altogether. But um, that was really the way for me to also prioritize internally with my team and what their what their roles are and mm. visually where their focus should be. And also visually for me, where my attention needs to go. So having those three separate accounts for the radio show, for the product-based jewelry business, for the consulting business slash personal account, which everything in my life is business. So, you know, it's not really, it's more business and personal. Um, But having those three accounts and having that them spelled out in my bio and in the bios of each respective account was very, very, very intentional to help people understand, hey, yes, I am the jewelry woman, but I do a lot of other things. 
is there only one website for all of it or are there two? There's one. There's two. So there's if you two. go to, Mar- if you go to, Mar- technically there's two. If you go to MarinCostello.com, it will prompt you to say, hey, hello, would you like to check out the consulting brand or would you like to Got shop it. the collection? When you click the consulting brand, you stay on that website. When you click the shop, uh, when you click the shop link, it takes you to shopmarincostello.com. So that was a whole nother shift that happened when the consulting business launched that decision okay. to make them I, two separate sites. I want people to really hear that because I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is that they start to layer like, well, I'm the brand and and I do all these things and these things are somewhat disparate. They're not completely connected and it is hard for the customer to to decipher, well, which is it? Or if you're the person who's consulting me, am I buying your jewelry? To, like, how do these things sort of coincide? And so I appreciate that distinction of how you sort of made them their own. And yet there's a way for people to toggle back and forth and understand the value of, oh, look, look at what she's grown. Oh, I definitely want her to be my consultant. Because many consultants are coming at it from a, I'm an expert at, but they've never really done that thing. Which is why I have been told for multiple years that I need to be in the consulting space because yeah. people will would say to me, I'm getting advice from people who haven't built anything and you've yeah. built something that has yes. continued to grow and that isn't, yeah. you know, I, I didn't close down my jewelry business to become a consultant. It's still very much alive and thriving. So the advice that I give and me consulting with my clients is very, it's a very different approach than the majority. I want to say the majority of the consulting space and the coaching space. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there are some people that are professional consultants and personalities in that space who, by virtue of growing their consulting business, have grown a business. And so I don't think it's, I'm not lumping them all together, but I do think there's a lot of people in the kind of expert arena that I, you know, I'm like, that's great if that's the only thing I do all day. You've just described a 40-hour work week for me, and I'm only focusing on marketing. Like, I have all these other things to do. So I appreciate that you understand the balance and the tension between all those roles as you're giving advice. I think that's a it's a big differentiator. And, and again, why I like that your social and your website are telling similar stories while also being focused. I do also want people to understand uh, two things. One, there's noise in every space. There's good and bad in every space. So when we're speaking to, you know, the consulting space, and I respect anyone who's built, you know, any kind of business, it's it's more so we're calling out the people who aren't as multifaceted, aren't as holistic, yeah. perhaps. The second thing that I want to note is that with you saying that the different brands under the umbrella company are so clearly distinct on social media, that took a lot of planning. Mm. That took a lot of prep work. I didn't just like, you know, throw things at the wall and hope that they stuck. I mean, ultimately, we're always learning. Like if something doesn't work, then great. We won't do that going forward. But there was a lot of planning in my head of creative and marketing. She really did her due diligence. And so did I with many, many drafts of what our feed would look like, what the comments uh, or what the captions would be, what the visuals would be what the collateral would be to help people understand that this is the jewelry business and this is the consulting and they're very similar. They're definitely sisters, but they are unique. They're related, but unique. And so I do want people to understand that we planned out a month's worth of of social media before even mentioning it. And also getting to the point of planning out a month took many months. Yeah. Yeah. I know you work with a photographer on a regular basis and you for many, many years were the Marin Costello model. 
um, yes. on the jewelry side. But even in looking at the photographs of you, how very different, um, and we can all imagine, you know, why you, you're doing this, but how you didn't repurpose images of you wearing the jewelry for the consulting brand. The consulting images of you are very much you as a consultant. Like, I look, I'm a boss and I look fabulous and I happen to be wearing my jewelry, but I'm very intentional on what I'm presenting to you and how I'm presenting myself in that way, which I think says a lot about how specific you were in mapping out that brand and a, a sense of who you are within those two respective companies. Totally. Because with the jewelry brand, I mean, we're celebrating the body. We're specifically the female body. And there's many, you know, quasi nude photos and, you know, a lot of, I don't want to use the word provocative, but it's very, it's, it's beautiful. It's sexy. It's, it's sensual. It's, you know, it's really celebrating the curves of a woman. And so I wanted to definitely make a distinction between me wearing a sheer top versus me sure. being a, a consultant. And I think that as the brand has grown and as our influencer following has really gained a lot of traction, it's much more appropriate to have models for my jewelry brand and for me to be more behind the scenes art directing and still showing my face to be like, hey guys, I'm the designer. Um, you know, we're, we're working behind the scenes here. We're making magic, but, but forward facing as a consultant, I definitely wanted the aesthetic to be more sophisticated and more elevated. Yeah. And that's also just because I'm maturing and getting older too. Yeah, yeah. One would hope that we're all doing that, right? One would hope that we're all maturing as but we get older. But still having fun, but yes, still having a lot yes, of fun. Yes, yes, of course. Okay, so our listeners are, they've, they're walking away with, okay, I can add something to my business. If Marin did it, I can do it. They can maybe even seek your advice in their own process by checking out your website. And by the way, we'll have all of Marin's handles and her uh, URL uh, so you can go directly to her. And you can also, don't forget to sign up so we know when that jewelry sale is for the summer. But what's one piece of entrepreneurial advice you wanna leave them with? What's something that perhaps you've learned and if, if you could save somebody from learning it the hard way, you would? Be kind to yourself. Hmm. I would say be kind to yourself and know that it's not going to get it's not not all going to get done in one day, but if you just keep making movements forward, even if there's even if there's steps back and there will be, that's the nature of running a business, but keep moving forward. That's a good one. I like that. Well, we're not letting you go just yet. We do our fast 5. This is just our fun fast five questions and answer whatever comes to mind. Number one trait you think every entrepreneur must possess? Tenacity. Yeah, we, we hear that one a lot. And I think <laughs> it is absolutely a must. I mean, you, you have to have a special strand of crazy if you're in the entrepreneurial game for the long haul. Yeah, I actually it's used nuts. to say it, it, it is nuts and you have to be a little nuts. I yeah. used to say entrepreneurship was for everyone. And I remember maybe... 10 years ago or so saying, oh, no, 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 it's not for everyone. And that's by design. Nothing is for everyone. Correct. That's a good thing. An app that you use to keep yourself organized on top of things that's been a, a lifesaver for you. Monday.com. And I'll send you um, our affiliate link for Monday.com. Oh, please do. I think that they promote that the app is going to increase your productivity by 20 to 30%. I would argue for us, it's increased us between 60 and 80%. It has transformed my 
life. Oh my gosh. Yes. What is, what is it? Just give us in a nutshell, what is the app? How does it help you with your productivity? App. It's a project management app. We do, okay. um, we use monday.com to kind of have hold all of our information and manage all of our projects. And then we use Slack to communicate. We use Shopify for our e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. So it pulls in all the information from Shopify. It pulls in all the information from our CRM so that we can manage our all of our clients of all the different facets of the business. It keeps us on schedule with the calendar. It is, I mean, I cannot speak highly enough of, of okay. the app. That's a good one. Yes. I don't think we've heard that one before. You talked about your first hire earlier, but I'm wondering, go back to maybe your first contracted hire, like the very first person, as soon as you had a little bit of money, you said, okay, I'm, I've, I've got to offload this. Who is that? If you are looking to, if you are early on in the business and you were doing everything and you are looking to hire someone to help you with anything, I would hire talent. I would hire someone that you trust and that works really, really hard. I would hire talent over skill because you ultimately don't know what skill you you're going to need to let go yeah. of first, at least from my from my experience. So you treated all of the things you were doing equally. And when you found a person who you could trust, you were like, okay, take take this one from me. Correct. And this doesn't, inc- this is not in- including an accountant or a bookkeeper or people who, or a lawyer. You okay. know, I, w- I would definitely uh, prioritize the, the, basi- the basics in business. But when you're talking about bringing someone onto your team and hiring an employee, I would hire talent and someone that you trust. Okay. I like that. That's good. Hardest question that I ask, red vines or Twizzlers? Red vines. Yes. 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 Thank you. You know they're going to try and change that in Florida. East Coasters are big time Twizzler people. Freaks. Yeah. So just just (laughs) stay who you are. Be who you are. (laughs) Um, So you know you've been around Liberty for a long time, Marin. Yes. The name of the podcast. It's everything that we do. It's everything that I'm hoping to do with this brand, which is to liberate Uh, women to live their dreams, their purpose, to consider their possibilities, that all all of those things are what mean liberty to us. What does it mean to you? Freedom in every Mm. sense of the word. I find that oftentimes oftentimes there is a dialogue of, you know, men in business versus women in business. And I have never personally categorized myself as a woman in business. Mm. I'm a business person. I want to play with the big dogs. Regardless if you're a man or a woman or if you identify as something, you know, different than that. I am more concerned about being my best self and producing the best product and service and generating the most revenue to provide for myself, to provide for my staff, to give back to different communities. I I have never resonated with being a businesswoman per se. Mm. It's more so being in business. And that's probably part of why you're answering the liberty question with that. Like that is, yes. that's the true freedom. Yes. And that's freedom. That's for me. I'm, I don't feel bound by my gender. I don't feel bound by my industry. I don't feel bound by my location. I really don't. I'm more concerned mm. about becoming my best self and putting out the best work that I possibly can. Well, you're inspiring us to do the same. Thank you for your time. Thank you for just sharing this hour with us and with our listeners. I'm excited for them to know who you are, both on the jewelry side and the consulting side. And we'll take you up on that monday.com link. Listeners will provide that for you. So thanks just for making space for us. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Of course, of course. Liberty listeners, you are welcome. This was a good one. And we will get you guys next week. Take care. Bye. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower. 